0: Read the scripture for today's message and then I'll start talking. This thing, yeah, I thought I might want to move that. That's good. I don't move that much. (coughs) All right, the scripture reading for today is 1 Corinthians 13 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. That's This is the word of God. Let's pray, and then you may be seated. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Open our ears to hear. Uh, be with me as I speak. Let that the words I speak be the words that you want uh, to come out. And just uh, guard my voice <laughs> so that uh, everyone will be able to, to hear Adequately, We just thank you for your grace and mercy and your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see. I do want to pray also for, um, for Kyle. As I, I don't know if he ever, he didn't really make the announcement. He's on a training trip. You know, so we want to pray that he is really getting a lot out of that and that he's getting some great coaching. And I want to lift up. I've just heard that to some friends that some of you may know, uh, John and Kathy Hanrahan, uh, Kathy is um, suffering uh, from a head injury and, and we just really want to pray that um, she receives good, good care so let's lift them up in prayer Almighty God we do ask you to be with Kyle as he travels I think he's finished his sessions um, and I just pray that you really uh, have spoken to him this past week that you've given him some great counsel and, and helped him to see you in new ways, himself in new ways, and even his church, your church, in new ways. So we thank you for him and for the opportunity that, that he's had. And we want to lift up Kathy Hanrahan and just ask God that you would give doctors wisdom, provide treatment, and your miraculous healing hand in, in her life. Be with John as he helps to, to just care for her. And we thank you for their friendship over the years. Amen. Amen. All right, we are on the last of our key values series. Um, these are the, the the key thoughts, values, principles that we want to keep in mind, you know, not just for a week or two, but for the foreseeable future, because they aren't the inventions of man. They are we believe in in alignment with the word of God and, and what God would have us uh how he would have us live our lives and conduct our our church. And uh, and, and these are things you're, you will continue to hear about even after these five messages where we've tried to give you a little bit more depth. Now, I thought the right thing to do would be to have like a bingo card with all the five things in it. And over the next couple of months, as we mentioned it, the first person who captures all five, you know, says bingo and, and gets an award. I I thought that would really help keep you. No, I got shot down. Kyle, Kyle, and Mark thought that didn't pass the uh, the uh, sincere connection test. I don't know. It's you know one of those values. No, Joe, that's not going to work. So you can see that these do work. They they help us make wise decisions. But you never know. Keep keep your ears tuned. You might you might hear something. So number five in our series <coughs> is compassionate mission. Mission, as, is in this sense, is more than just missions, more than foreign missions. It's the mission of the church. What are we doing, and how are we going to do it? The mission of the church is pretty easy to point to in Scripture. The Gospel of Matthew ends with what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Now, I'm supposed to be running these things. Those are the five gizmos. I've already mentioned those. But here is the mission of the church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. It's Jesus speaking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is very little dispute You won't get much argument at all from any corners of Christendom that the the church is to go and make disciples, that that Jesus' commission here is quite clear. But at various times and in various groups throughout Christendom, there have been those who interpret this commission somewhat narrowly. excuse me that what he says is specifically what we ought to do go to places present the gospel baptize new believers and that's it now even among those traditions there have been some great things done because in order to present the gospel there have been language um, translations people who had no written language you know, great missionaries went and gave them a written language so they could translate the Bible, so they could give the gospel to them. Great things have been done, even within this narrow interpretation of the Great Commission. So it's not to um, criticize, but just to identify that that there is this narrow way of, of approaching um, the Great Commission. You might have heard some people criticize more broad interpretations as saying that that's social gospel or social missions meaning that attempts to address broader social ills like poverty and disease uh, under the banner of a church can sometimes cause the church to lose its focus and and to um, neglect the more important things at Refuge Church, and among most uh, evangelical churches uh, that I can think of, we really do hold that both aspects are essential. That, that the church's mission is both going and making disciples and teaching disciples so that they can grow in their understanding and then teach others, making more disciples. It's a multiplication principle that... Um, from time to time, we've, we've used Francis Chan's book in Bible studies, which is about multiplying our witness by making disciples who can make disciples. But what is the compassionate side of this? Why do we attach the word compassion to our, uh, the, the mission of the church? Well, as in all of the five values we've had, we have a brief uh, summary of how we want to encapsulate that. Let me read it to you for Compassionate Mission. It says, We value love and service as the compassionate mission of the church. We love and serve each other by providing for each other in times of need, by serving the various needs of our congregation, by generously supporting the mission of the church, and by encouraging one another to be like and to follow Jesus. We value love and service to our neighbors and our guests by hospitality, modeling grace with joy, welcoming them without bias into our homes and church, and serving with words and deeds. And we love and serve our world by going out into it with the good news of Jesus. This we do by sending individuals, by planting churches, and through global partnerships. So we, we want to talk about missions in those three categories. We have a mission within this group right here, within the members of, of Refuge Church and our regular attendees. We have a mission to our local community, and we have a worldwide mission. When Jesus says in, the, in Matthew twenty eight twenty to teach them to observe all that I command you, we believe that that includes the essence of the new commandment, which we spoke about in the center of our key value number one, the essential gospel, about four weeks ago. If you remember, we read in John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So that's that's the essence of it. Mission is nothing more than loving our our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, and our world. So what is the compassion? What does compassion look like? Where does it fit in and why is it important? You might ask the question why is the organization that many of us go through and our church does use to support children in poverty all throughout the world called Compassion International. The text we read at the beginning, the, the, the key text for this message, which was 1 Corinthians 13, um, often read more at, at uh, weddings than at missionary events I believe really points to the importance of compassion. In fact, uh, we will read it again, and recognize there's nothing in there about weddings or marriages or human, lo- you know, man-woman love. Think of it in terms of the world. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. and if I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. you know not a single one of those attributes and there's something I need to use all that often in my wedding. I haven't had to move a mountain or prophesy, you know but, but, but here at the beginning of this love passage um, Paul goes into these. And there are some pretty impressive feats there, some really admirable things mentioned. Speaking in the tongues of angels. You don't see that every day. You know, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Having prophetic powers. That's a good thing, I imagine. Right? Understanding all mysteries where COVID-19 came from. I mean, the, these are kind of impressive characteristics, having all knowledge, mountain-moving faith, you know, total selflessness and self-sacrifice. Most of us would be quite impressed with a person who exhibited just one of these traits consistently. That person would be held up and admired in their church and said, what, a, what an awesome man woman of God that is. And yet Paul is saying that all of these things aren't sufficient to count for anything without love. And I think it's safe to say, as I put at the top of the, the title on that screen, that love and compassion are synonymous. You could p- substitute compassion for love throughout that past message and it wouldn't change it one bit without compassion every one of those listed characteristics as great as they sound are worth nothing absolutely nothing and i thought about that and i realized well you know it's kind of obvious why it's not too hard to understand if you just ask one question if not for love if if not Motivated by compassion for another human being or group, what would possibly motivate a person to pursue any one of those? Remember, um, back on the, the, the first message on essential gospel, we read this verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The point for bringing this up is that there's not a lot of room for boasting in the kingdom of God. Jesus alone is our hero. We bring nothing to the table but our sin. Without compassion, why would anyone speak in the tongues of angels? Or prophesy, except to be heard and admired, to to stand out from the crowd. Why would anyone benefit or pursue understanding and knowledge without compassion, without love, just be for fame and fortune? Why would anyone display great faith? If not for love of others, just to attract a crowd of followers, to build up, you know, there, there, if you at all follow or read into Indian uh, religions, there's a whole museum full of tools they use to fake miracles. There's a big business in faking miracles. You know those guys who sit there by the side of the road and look like they're levitating. They all have this complex metal contraption that holds them up off the ground. And it, makes, it attracts a crowd. People throw cash down, and then they go off and get dinner. There's value in it. Th- there's, there's a reason people do some of these things. To act selflessly, to give everything away, to even s- um, beat your body. Talk about self-sacrifice. We've seen that in history. Why would anyone do something like that without love and compassion? I tell you, this is the most heinous activity because the only reason for doing it is to make God a debtor to you, to earn his love, which essentially is nothing more than boastful pride. Without love, all of these actions mean nothing. And we all fall into that trap sometimes, don't we? Sometimes you get into that rut. You're just going through the motions, going to church, doing the things you're supposed to do, just out of obligation or guilt or to save face. It's a a common trap. And in fact, it's one of the greatest risks for church leaders. We want to avoid becoming a noisy gong because we're just going through the motions without love and compassion. So we need to pray for one another. We need to remind one another, encourage one another to be authentic, as we've taught about, with one another. Because without the love and compassion for one another, all the things we do are worthless. They're selfish. Up to now, I've just been talking about describing the root of compassion uh, and missions and our motivation as disciples of Christ to obey the Great Commission. But what does the compassionate mission look like? Let's look at it on a larger scale. In 2013, Rick Warren Ministries announced a new focus for their worldwide missions program based on the way Jesus lived the things he did, how he behaved while he was on earth. In his announcement, Pastor Rick Warren said, What did he do? Jesus didn't just preach. He also cared for the oppressed, the poor, the sick, the aged, the blind, and lepers. He cared about the mentally ill, the orphan, the widow, the imprisoned, and the homeless. Jesus cares about the people that the world wants to forget. And so Rick Warren Ministries focus their, their efforts on addressing the biggest problems in the world, particularly the third world. And in his speech, he said, the biggest problems the world faced in Jesus' day are still the biggest problems the world faces today. And they are spiritual emptiness, Egocentric leadership, poverty, disease, and illiteracy. Now, he called these the, f- the five global giants. Based on the sermon he gave to underscore this was David, you know, uh, killing Goliath, you know, uh, overcoming a great giant as a, with God's grace, right? So we as a church have five global giants which God can give us the strength and the skills and the opportunity to somehow address. Looking a little closer to home, so um, within the the first world, I guess you'd call it, or the West, or here in America, we have our own giants. In a research study at Chapman University, which is a respectable university of about 10,000 students, Um, Southeast of Los Angeles They have been tracking Americans' top fears For the past six years 2020 will be the seventh year They haven't published The results of that yet But what they do is they go to Several thousand random adults Across the United States And ask them to rate 88 different topics With their level of, of fear These include things related to crime, the government, environment, natural disasters, personal anxieties, technology, et (coughs) cetera. And the top five fears in 2019, which the most number of Americans reported being afraid or very afraid about, come on, just one press are these, corrupt government officials, which sounds a lot like the, uh, the, the, the one of the global giants, pollution, a loved one becoming ill or dying, cyberterrorism, that's new, climate change, and I think by the end of 2020, we may see another one attacking the top levels of, of fear in America, which might be a global pandemic so why do i bring up all these these statistics and and facts these aren't new you could almost could have guessed some of these yourselves we all know we got problems jesus said in this world you will have trouble and we can read in proverbs (coughs) that as the sparks fly upward so is man born under trouble that's nothing new And the big question then is how do we begin to solve worldwide problems, such as the five global giants or Americans' top fears? Is the ultra-conservative or the fundamentalist, I don't know what the right label would be to give (laughs) that group, but are they correct in saying that if we try, we'll just get bogged down in social missions? and neglect the truly important matter of men's souls? I mean, these are daunting problems. I don't know how to begin addressing any of these. (laughs) But I think we can begin to get a perspective on these in the letter of James. James 2, 14 through 17, a passage which some of you might be familiar with. is dead. What's important here beyond the initial theological question of oh my goodness you know what are we saved by faith or works we'll leave that to the the broader discussions but look at this amazing example that James interjects into the middle of this discussion James is not talking about solving world hunger He's using the example of one hungry sister and the uselessness of saying, go in peace. The important thing here is to feed this brother, feed this sister, before pronouncing a blessing. Instead of saying, faith without works is dead, we could almost say, our gospel message without gospel action is dead. And you might say, well, that's a little harsh, isn't it, Joe? Maybe. But we have to understand that the global giants and our American giants are tyrants. They enslave people. The fear and overwhelming need of not knowing what your children are going to eat robs people. It robs them of time and energy and the ability to rationally consider the claims of Christ. When we meet one person's physical need or felt need, you free them, maybe just for a moment, but for that moment to focus on something else. And if that service is offered in the name of Jesus... And is an example of his unconditional love and bathed in prayer, then I believe the message is powerful and effective. This is one reason why the two areas of the world where the gospel is spreading faster than anywhere else are Iran and Afghanistan. Isn't that amazing? The church there is increasing at rates close to 20% per year. While in the United States we're at 0.08%. Now we got bigger numbers to start with. So if you pull out it on a graph, it looks good. But look at the percentage. That says more Christians are telling more people about Jesus than in America. And the fact is that we're freedom from global giants is fresh and hard won. People are hungry and thirsty for good news, and they can find it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we go with a cup of cold water. We go with health training. We go with literacy training. We go with something that offsets needs and the message of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Now, in wrapping up, I want to say that this principle really is behind much of what we're doing here at Refuge Church. So yay, God. (laughs) It's working. We support Compassion International and a missionary family in India because we've seen them in action, and we know that they address fundamental needs in the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel message is demonstrated with real life changing power it might seem trivial it might seem small sometimes but my wife is texting or or communicating or facetiming with with, uh, Raj in India a couple times a week and and he is so excited he receives a box of uh, candy and supplies for Vacation Bible school and other things, and he's begging her, can I open the box, can I take the candy, can I bring it to the kids? They're so depressed. They need something to lighten their mood. And he's going to bring them the gospel at the same time. It's a great thing, and we we see it in action. It's small, we're a small church, it's one family in India, but it's going to have impact. Here at home, even the things we're doing right here in Warren, we pray about, and we try to identify a need for each program and thing we do. Whether it's giving families a, a safe place to do, to celebrate Halloween with trunk or treat instead of trick-or-treating on the streets. It's not a big deal, but we offer it free of charge. In the, in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not a big deal. But maybe some of those families are going to see the grace of God in that simple activity, or giving a free lunch to our police and firemen a couple times a year, where we get to hear their (coughs) prayer requests. And if you're at all concerned about the humanity of police and firemen, you wanna hear their prayer requests. So any other number of things you might do, wearing a mask, to alleviate someone else's fear about COVID-19. Regardless of what you think about the science. Providing a cold water to someone who needs it. Because people are thirsty. Teaching in Sunday school. Because kids can't sit in a service for an hour. And they need to hear about Jesus. They need to know who he is. Playing an instrument. To help us get our minds into worship. And off the busyness of of our lives delivering a meal to someone who's laid up who can't get out for a while sending them a card or even saying have a blessed day to someone when it is appropriate and they need to hear that someone a, a good word or saying is there something i can pray for for you these are all simple ways that you at grace at, at refuge church engage in compassionate mission. And I just want to thank you and commend you because I see it happening every day. So I really don't need to preach anymore about this because you kind of got the message. But I do want you to understand that when we talk about worldwide mission and compassionate mission, our goal is to alleviate pain and need, to open people's ears if just for a moment, to hear the claims of Christ, and that's all I have, and so we can pray, and uh, and then we'll end with a song. No communion today.